This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. We are especially delighted to have those who may be watching for the very first time to Getting to Know Your Bible. We have those who watch every time we're on the air. Uh, we're on twice a day. We have, I have people tell me to get up early in the morning to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate your loyalty, not just to this telecast, but to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today, on our telecast, we're going to be talking about the gospel. Our lesson is entitled, The Glorious Gospel. And we want to talk about why the gospel is so glorious. Stay tuned today. Now, on to getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. The course costs you absolutely nothing except some time to pick up the telephone and call for the course or to write and request the course. And, and then there's the time that will be involved in your studying the course, then mailing it back to us. That's all it's going to cost you. You say, now, Brother Lambert, get real. Because most people who have telecasts like this are going to charge for whatever they offer. We're not charging for anything on getting to know your Bible. For the Bible course, for a CD, if you should request a DVD of one of the lessons, there's no cost to you. We want to provide that so you can get to know your Bible. And so we want to pause for just a moment so you can learn more about this free Bible course and so you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-711. 5214. I'm reading now from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and I shall be reading through verse 7. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power 
may be of God and not of us. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the word glory is an adjective of the highest type. That there's no other word that could properly describe the gospel. If you were trying to describe a horse to someone, you might say that horse is fine, that horse is good, that horse is splendid. But, but you would not use the word glorious in trying to describe a horse. But words like fine and good and splendid are not nearly big enough to describe the gospel. It is the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why would we refer to it, though, as being glorious? Well, one of the reasons that we would refer to it as being glorious is because of what it is. It brings glad tidings of great joy. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10. And even though we had sinned, and we were lost because of our sin, Christ died on our behalf. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and 3 says that He died for our sins according to the Scripture. That This gospel is a perfect gospel. It is a perfect guide for man. There isn't anything that we need to know about salvation and about uh, our lives that God has not revealed in the Bible. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and 3 tells us that He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything that we need to know is revealed in the gospel. It is a perfect guide. And we ought not to accept any substitute for this guide. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul said, I, uh, though, though any man preach any other gospel unto you, that then that which we have preached, let him be accursed. If someone comes telling us something that we cannot read about in the Bible, well, Paul says we ought not to believe that. And we endanger in, in our souls by so doing. You see, the Bible is perfect, a perfect guide for man. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that, that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. Yes, this is a glorious gospel because it brings good tidings of great joy. It is glorious because it's a perfect gospel, a perfect guide. And it is glorious because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is His gospel. Look, look in verse 4 again in 2 Corinthians 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. There are those that do not believe. They are spiritually blind, blinded by Satan himself. And he says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of Christ, 
the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ should shine on them. His is a gospel of glory. It is a glorious gospel. And he is the author and the finisher of the gospel. He is the one who died to make the gospel possible. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 89 says, Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. He is the author, he is the finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. So when we talk about the gospel being glorious, it's glorious because of what it is. It is also glorious because of its transforming power. Paul wrote about the gospel in Romans the first chapter, verse 16. There he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, that is the good news, the glad tidings of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the transforming power. Think about the facts about the gospel. What are the facts of the gospel? Well, if we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, wherein you stand, and by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that He was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scripture. Those are simply facts about the gospel. Facts about the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are those facts about the gospel. There are the threats of the gospel. Well, someone says, what do you mean threats of the gospel? That is, the, the, the end result of an individual who rejects the gospel. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, Paul said unto you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Uh, friends, if that's not a threat found in the gospel, you tell me what is. So we need to have faith in the facts of the gospel. But we need to also believe the threats of the gospel. There's power in the, in the facts. There's power in the threats of the gospel to cause men to want to live right. Think about the commands of the gospel. Well, what are those commands? Well, let me read to, to you some of the commands that are found in the gospel. I'm reading now from the 6th chapter of Romans, starting in verse number 2. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, there are the, not only the facts of the gospel, that there are the commands of the gospel, that is, 
We are to believe the gospel. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I ask you, believes what? Well, in verse 15, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth. Believes what? Believes the gospel. Believes that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and was raised from the dead on that third day. The man who believes in the gospel. The man who believes the good news. He that believeth and is baptized, Jesus said, shall be saved. There are the commands of the gospel. Now go back to Romans chapter 6. Paul said, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So we are to repent of our sins. That's a command. In Luke 13 and 3, Jesus said, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then we take this person who has died to sin, repented of sin, and that individual is buried with Jesus Christ in baptism. In Colossians, the second chapter in verse 12, the Bible reads like this, buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. So we not only die to sin, we're buried with Christ in baptism into his death where he shed his blood. We are raised to walk in a newness of life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. So there are the facts, the threats, and the commands of the gospel, and there are also the promises of the gospel. Let me give you just one promise of the gospel. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And here's the promise. If you'll do that, you'll receive the forgiveness of the remission for the remission of your sins. You see, we repent and we're baptized because we believe the gospel. And when we obey Jesus by repenting of our sins as believers in Him and being baptized into Him, into His death, into the benefits of that death, we obtain the forgiveness of our sins. It's a transforming power in the gospel. It transforms unbelievers into unbelievers. Well, I go back to the 15th chapter of Acts. And this was Peter had been over to the house of Cornelius and now he was back with his Jewish brethren and they were having a conference because there were those that were teaching that circumcision was essential to a person's salvation. Now I want you to listen beginning in verse number 7 from Acts chapter 15. Now, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now let me stop right there. That tells me that you have to hear in order to believe. I just hear something. You must hear the words of the gospel. Notice it again, that you hear the word of the gospel and believe. You know, in Romans 10, 17, Paul said, Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. So he said that they should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. But you, you see, the gospel transforms unbelievers into believers. And it also begets the sinner and transform him, transforms him into a child of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse number 15, 
Paul said, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet not many fathers, for in Christ I have begotten you. Well, how sinners begotten? How are they, how are they begotten uh, in a spiritual sense? By the gospel. And so it's transforming power. It's no wonder that this is such the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is transforming power in the gospel. And may I say this to you, that there is power in the gospel to change your life and to change mine. But also it transforms the sinner into an obedient servant. That's how it transforms us. Go back to Romans, the sixth chapter, verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. Now, they had at one time been servants of sin. But listen to him now. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now, when did they become free from sin? Well, they became free from sin when they obeyed that form of doctrine delivered to them. And if you'll go back to the first six or seven verses of this chapter, you will learn that they had obeyed a likeness of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ by dying to sin, being buried with Christ in baptism, and arising to walk in the newness of life. And when they did that, they were transformed into obedient servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That there's power, transforming power in the gospel to turn men from darkness and from the power of Satan. In Acts, the 26th chapter, the Lord is speaking to Saul. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I've appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Now here is the reason. Here is the purpose of Paul's preaching. To open their eyes. Men's eyes need opening today. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. They're in darkness now. They need to be in the light. This is why he was preaching. To open eyes, to turn men from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Oh, there's transforming power in the gospel to turn men from darkness and from the power of Satan. That's why Paul preached the gospel. That's the reason Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost as is recorded in the second chapter of Acts. They were transformed from being disobedient people into being obedient people. And they accepted the gospel on the terms laid out by our Lord. There is power to transform a life within the gospel. Who's not seen the person under the influence of alcohol transformed from that drunken state into a sober saint? I've seen that happen myself. I know it can happen. I've seen it happen in the lives of people. And so the gospel 
bears nothing but good fruit. And that's the reason that we need to be preaching it today. It is a glorious gospel because it transforms the lives of people. But, but it's glorious because of what it gives here and now. Right now. One of the things it gives is mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, and that is a precious faith. He talked about, there Peter talked about a like precious faith. But, well, our faith in the Lord is a precious faith. It's more precious than silver and gold. It's the most precious thing that a person can have, and that's his faith. It gives us a glorious hope. Paul had that glorious hope when he was writing to Timothy. Paul was in prison. He realized it would not be long until that he was going to die. And as he wrote to Timothy, as this is recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 4, incidentally, he said, I am ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all of them that love His appearing. You see, this is a gospel of hope. The people in our world today need hope. There are people that are living in the inner cities and there are people, the mothers, that are, are fearful for the lives of their, of their children to be out on the streets for fear that, that they may be harmed. And they feel trapped and they don't feel like they have any hope. Here's a young woman who has who uh, just lost her husband and she has some small children now that she's going to be responsible for. Now, her husband may have died. She doesn't have any hope. She wants something she can cling to. And there are young people today who don't have any hope. But Jesus Christ gives us the hope when we, through the gospel that He has given to us, the gospel gives us rest from the burden of sin. Listen to Jesus in the 11th chapter of Matthew and in verse 28 and following. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, have you ever done that? Have you ever come to Jesus that He might give you rest? Jesus said, Come unto me, and He will give you rest from the burden of sin. And it also gives us a wonderful joy, joy beyond measure. You remember in Acts 8 chapter when Philip preached to the man from Ethiopia and that he baptized him into Christ. The man had asked, Here's water, why can't I be baptized? And Philip said, Well, if you believe, you may. And he said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so they went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And, and so this man obeyed what Jesus had said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And the Bible says, When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Let me ask you a question. Why, why did this man go on his way rejoicing? You say, well, now he had the burden of sin lifted off his soul. Now he had a glorious hope. Exactly. You see, the gospel is glorious because it gives us wonderful joy. Indeed, it is the glorious gospel. It's, it, it gives us a glorious peace of mind and heart. Many people do not have peace of mind. 
The only place you'll ever find peace is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans, the, the fifth chapter, and in verse number one, Paul is talking about what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I want you to listen to what the apostle writes. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is when we as believers repent of our sins and are baptized into Christ that we have that peace. Now the peace talk, Paul talked about is not some peace absent from obedience. It's not just mental assent. But it is an obedi obedient faith. While this man who wrote that was told when before he became a Christian in Acts 22.16, Why tarriest thou, rise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's how you make peace with, with God. Through the blood of Jesus, and when we're baptized into Christ, by His blood, our sins are washed away. And you'll have that peace that passes all understanding. As one old man in the hour of his death said, baptism wasn't essential. Well, nobody had mentioned that to him. So let me ask you, why was he worried? If he had obeyed the command, would he have not had peace of mind? There was some reason that he was worried about it. You see, the gospel is a glorious gospel. And it's glorious because of what it will give hereafter. It offers a glorious home in the city of our God where sorrow and trouble can never come. It offers a crown of glory that does not fade away. It offers comfort after death. It offers us a glorious body, a, a changed body, one like our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. And it also promises the resurrection. Just a few days ago, I stood before the body of a departed Christian. And these are some of the words that I said on that occasion. The next important event in his life will be the resurrection of the dead. Oh, what a glorious message we have. A glorious gospel because of the hope that it offers not only in this life, but it offers us in the one that is to come. It is indeed good news. It's the sweetest story that's ever been told. It is the glorious gospel. May I urge you to obey this gospel. Would you not do it? Believe in Jesus and repent of your sins and be baptized into Him for the remission of those sins. I'd urge you to do that. And in the closing moments... I want to invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And please, please, right now, pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible correspondence course and learn more about what God would have you to do in order to be saved by this glorious gospel. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my fervent prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, 
or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.